0: Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're really glad you're here. And I just hope you've had a good week. And um, what an exciting time to be here, especially right after this service when we baptize uh, those folks that have come in forward with their faith. I am just so pumped and just thrilled and glad to have you here. You know, I like to start with something funny. Uh, Did you hear about this couple that were on vacation and they're driving from Shreveport down to Houston and Uh, they were approaching the uh, Louisiana town called Nacogdoches, and they started talking among um, the husband and wife about how do you pronounce that name, and look, my wife is from that area, and so I realized some uh, Cajun-type names are are really hard to pronounce, and this couple argued back and forth about how to pronounce it, and so as they approached the town, they stopped to get lunch, and they decided they're going to talk and ask the folks there, and, and He said, before we order, can you tell me, uh, settle an argument and and pronounce where we are, but say it very slowly. And uh, the lady at the counter leaned over and she said, you're at Burger King. (laughs) Well, if you didn't like that one, there's more coming. Uh, uh, Today we're continuing our series called Knock Knock, and this series is uh, based on uh, opportunities and, and doors that are open, but you can't do a series like this unless you just dive in and do some knock knock jokes. Now, what we also know is that knock knock jokes are participatory. I mean, we all have to be involved in it. I will say knock knock, and you will say, yeah. "Okay, you got the, you got it." So let's dive in. It Says knock knock, yeah. mustache. <clears throat> Never mind. Um, I must ask you a question, but I'll shave it for later. (laughs) Knock, knock. Tank. You're welcome. (laughs) Knock, knock. Daisy. Daisy. They see me rolling. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't write the jokes. I just read them. <laughs> but if you could come up with some better, you can send them to me at lol at com, And that's a real email address. Okay, we're in the second week in our knock-knock series, and like I said, this is about doors. It's about opportunities. You know, life is about doors. We go in them, and we come out of them. We open them, and we close them. And in this series, what we're doing is we're uh, going to see how God opens and closes doors in our lives so that we would accomplish His will. I believe that there are God opportunities knocking on your door. And I want you to be able to open the door in faith and step out into your new life. And that's what we're, we're here. Uh, and we're going to focus today on a, a chapter in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19. Acts is in the New Testament section of the Bible. And it's interesting, Acts is actually um, a history book. Uh, of the early church. Now, we're going to talk about some history here, but I also want you to know that this is more than a history lesson. That as we go through a, a passage of scripture like this, that we should say, God, speak to me and let this message and let this word be relevant to the life that I'm living. Okay? And so, when we look at the book of Acts... It really focuses on the, the growth of the early church. In the early parts, it's talking about the Apostle Peter and the impact that he had. In the later sections of the book of Acts, focus on a man named Paul. Now, some of us, most of us, probably have heard of the Apostle Paul before, but maybe some of us don't know him. You'll see his name. Uh, Paul was probably one of the greatest leaders of all time in the church and in the secular world. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Uh, He started churches all over the Middle East and and is considered one of the most influential people to ever live. In fact, even today, you have churches that are named after him, you have hospitals that are named after him, and so forth. So he made a huge impact. Well, Paul's ministry uh, was traveling around uh, and starting churches and inspiring church leaders. When we look at Acts chapter 19, he is beginning his third missionary tour Our missionary journey. And he's traveling from Jerusalem down to Asia through uh, Colossae, uh, landing in Ephesus. And this would take, cover about 700 miles. Now, let's be honest, they didn't have cars, they didn't have bicycles back then. So when we say cover 700 miles, they're doing mostly walking. And so it would be like walking from Augusta, Georgia to St. Louis, Missouri. So just very practical, that's kind of what's going on. And so he walked to the city of Ephesus, and there he stayed in Ephesus for two years and three months. Now, what do we know about this town? We know it was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. It had about a quarter of a million people there. It was a very important city for commerce and for art and for education. It was on a very important trade route. If you're going to go from Asia to Europe, you're going to go through Ephesus. If you're going to go down to Africa, more than likely you would go through Ephesus to go um, on your way way back. And so, that's the background. Let's dive in and see what's happening here. Acts chapter 19. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I think there are four things that God will speak to you uh, through this chapter. Okay? Okay? Uh, chapter 19, verse 1, it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. It's interesting he took the road. So, if, just back up for a second. So, in Paul's my, life and in his mind, he had to come to the place where he made a decision. I'm going to go down to Ephesus. He decided he took the road. I want to just pause for a minute. He made this decision. He had been here before but he wanted to go back. There are some of you today that you are vacillating between two opinions or or, uh, two ideas. Could it be that today God is prompting you to be bold like Paul and to make a decision? Stop vacillating, but I want you to open the door and walk through it. So I'm not sure what that decision is. It could be a decision about your education, it could be a decision about a relationship, it could be a decision about a career. It could be a health care decision. But I just want to encourage you, don't live in fear about this thing that is being weighed on you. But I want you to step out in faith, and I want you to make the call. I want you to make the decision. You can do this. Just wanted to get that off of my, my chest. Now, that's not a part of the four things, but some, somebody needed to hear that uh, sometime today. You see, I believe that God has a plan for your life, and I believe that God's plan for your life is better than you think. In fact, I believe He's going to give you more than you ask or even imagine. I look at this passage of Scripture, and I say there's four things. Here's the first thing. I believe that God wants to give you Uh, the opportunity to be a part of an adventure. God wants to give you an opportunity to be a part of an adventure. God called Paul uh, to go on this missionary journey, and it was an adventuresome uh, journey where he saw many miracles and lives changed. You know, through the years, I've enjoyed a lot of different adventures along the way. Patty and I have done had the pleasure of doing a lot of things. We've gone snooba diving in Barbados. We've, gone, uh, we've climbed Duny- River Falls in Jamaica. We've gone uh, fishing in Alaska. We've gone down the Ocoee uh, River, whitewater rafting in Tennessee. So we look back over our lives and we've had a lot of adventures that we've enjoyed. But when I really look back over at my life, the greatest adventures that we've had has not been in some distant land. The greatest adventures that we have had has been right here at Stevens Creek Church. There's nothing more adventuresome than being in the middle of what God is doing. There's nothing more exciting than to see lives changed by the power of God. To see families put back together. To see God move and, and people's horizons expand. I love this church and I love seeing lives change. And together, you and I, as a part of this congregation, we have an opportunity to be a part of what God is doing in this city and in our community. You know, and some of you, you've been watching God move. But you've been watching from a distance. I talked about this last week. That you've been watching from the grandstands. And, and it's like that you come to this, uh, uh, this event, this Sunday event. And you enjoy the music, you enjoy the talking, you, you enjoy the people and all of that. But then when you leave here, you go on about your life and it never impacts you. I want you to come to a place where this is more than a concert that you attend. This is more than a positive uh, speech that you hear. I want you to come to the place where what takes place in this room, but more than that, what takes place in your heart is something so supernatural that it redirects your life and that it makes your life better. Honestly, that's why I'm here. We come here week to week because I want to see your life get better. And I believe it can. But there comes a point where we get involved in the process. And not only getting our lives better, but helping other people. And I look across this auditorium, I see a number of scores of people that have rolled up their sleeves and said, Marty, I'm going to get out of the grandstands. I want to get down on the playing field. I'm going to make a difference. I think about uh, Megan Lambert. A couple of years ago, she came to us and said, Hey, I feel like the God is calling me to go to Honduras for eight months to teach English. And she did that not just to teach English, but to share the love of Christ in very practical ways. She embraced that as as a young lady in her 20s. I think about her sister, Kristen Barnett, who started a nonprofit called 28 Bold. And two weeks ago, she returned from Africa where she was there to build a well for a village that did not have water. I want you to listen to her story.
0: 28 Bold really started um, after I had gone to South Africa for a short-term missions trip and just really connected with the people and was really motivated to do something about their water situation and not just in a short-term way. Starting this three years ago, there was definitely a lot of risk. Uh, You know, it was really scary. I even had people close to me say, you wanna go to Africa and do what? Like, you're a girl in Augusta, Georgia, who do you think you are? And to think that I was gonna, you know, coordinate a project that I don't really know much about as far as water relief and well drilling and we were gonna do it halfway across the globe. I definitely felt the weight of what was about to happen. And you know, I just really felt like the Lord was saying to me that I'm not responsible for the outcome, I'm just responsible for my obedience. And so I kept that in mind and really every trip, I try to remind myself that the Lord is not asking me to have a perfect well-drilling situation every single time. He's asking me to be faithful and obedient to the calling that he's put out Uh, in front of me. This last time was no different. Um, You know, we landed with a plan in place, a schedule in place, um, only to find out that we were working against uh, huge opposition. The driller that we were working with just was not budging on what we needed. Uh, He wanted more money than I was willing to pay. He wanted to do it in a way that didn't make sense. You know, I felt compelled to take the risk to say, yes, we're gonna do it, even though this is not Ideal scenario. When we got the next morning to the drill site, the driller said, I went home last night and I felt the Lord convicting me that I'm supposed to do this project and that I'm not supposed to do this for money. I'm supposed to do this as unto Him. We saw a 180 difference. And what that did was not only did it, um, give us success in drilling and we hit water at only seven meters which we had never done before but it also um, showed that the Lord was favorable on you know what we were trying to do. 28 Bold has impacted well over 7,000 people all of which are um, connected to a local church but it's also used as a tool to reach people for the gospel. Oh, Water
1: is very much important. Definitely. So now you change on of those days. This
0: is a resource that they've never had, and so we're literally changing generations with access to clean water. Um, so I've had mamas say, "Thank you so much. Now I can bathe my kids anytime I want." Uh, Thank you so much, now um, I won't get belly aches. So it's really making a lasting impact on their physical person and their families. But what's super amazing is to go back and see the impact that it's making on the local church and that they're able to use it as a resource and say, hey, this is a free resource, come and use it at our church. And by the way, let me tell you about Jesus. So that's the really exciting part is that we're meeting a physical need, but they're able to use it to draw people toward the Lord.
1: Yeah. with my heart That's and right. by everything with my him, I say thank you, may the Lord God bless you yes. with everything. Amen. What I love about this story is that several years ago, God prompted Kristen and she said, I'm going to do something with that prompting. So here she is. A young mother with three kids and one of those children, like a year old, when she started this. And uh, she works full-time um, outside the home, but yet had this prompting this uh, to serve people who did not have clean water. But she did something about it. And I'm telling you, I am uh, just impressed with that boldness to step out. Now, here's the truth. God may not call you to go to Africa, but God may call you to go to Columbia County Rec and sign up to be a coach, or to go to Richmond County, or to go to Aiken County. God may uh, be knocking on your door to do something else, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe at, at your job. You see, God has given you these abilities, and He's, he's now going to open doors of opportunity to see if you're willing to step through those doors. God provides you with an opportunity, but so many times, if you're like me, that you kind of push away from that. And, and you give a litany of excuses of why you cannot do this. And I have done things where I just cannot do this and I push away. And what happens when I push away, I find myself in a very uncomfortable place. Because you see, there are times when God will make you so uncomfortable that you're unable to stay where you are on the sidelines. That God will allow your life to become so uncomfortable that you would even describe it with the word miserable. I am miserable in this place. Could it be that the reason that you're miserable in this place is that God has a, a, a better place for you. And he has allowed this to come into your life to get you walking, to get you moving, to get you headed into the direction that he has for you. A life for you. One that is filled with His blessing. One that's going to stretch you. Jesus did not go to the cross for you to live a miserable life. Jesus went for the cross for you to live in victory. And we only find that victorious kind of life as we're willing to walk through the doors and embrace the opportunities that He has for us. Now that's what Paul did. Paul embraced the opportunity. So we're looking at Acts chapter 19, and let's just read the first seven verses. This tells this story. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And they found some disciples there, and they asked them, said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we hadn't even heard of that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then, what baptism did you receive? Now they replied, we received John's baptism. Paul said, now John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one who was coming after him, to believe in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit Came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. So, Paul goes down to the city, 700 miles away from Jerusalem, and asks the question, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, well, We don't even know what you're talking about. They believed in Jesus, but they didn't realize that there was more. I mean, so many people who make a decision to follow Jesus, and after they made that decision to follow Jesus, it is as if their spiritual search is moved to neutral, that they just wait there. It's like that they, they get saved, and then that's all they need to do. The next thing, they only need their salvation when they stand before God when they, when they die. Folks, there's so much more to this spiritual life Than just taking the step toward Christ. That's the beginning. But God has more for you. He has a plan for your life. A plan that is immeasurably more than you can ask or even imagine. And I want you to embrace His plan for your life. I want you to embrace his Spirit, His Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing. I said four things. Here's the thing. God wants to give you spiritual energy so that you can walk the path that He has for you. God wants to give you spiritual energy. When we often use the word spiritual energy to describe the, the workings of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. The Holy Spirit, in the original Greek, was the word parakletos. Now, this means, it's translated, uh, to walk alongside. It's a counselor. It's a comforter. It's an encouragement. It's an advocate. Jesus told his disciples, he said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, what? To help you and to be with you forever. Jesus said, The Holy Spirit is coming. Why is he coming? He's coming to help you. He's coming to help you. I'm telling you, so many times in my life, I feel like that I need help. I need help. I need strength. I need insight. I need wisdom. I need God's energy, God's spirit living inside of me. You see, the Holy Spirit is God's uh, active presence. presence. He lives in us. And he works through us. He comforts us. He guides us. I believe he is the one that opens doors and he closes doors. I believe he is the one that whispers and to nudges us to move in a certain direction. But too many of us don't include him in our lives. Too many of us don't leave room for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. We need his power. When I was 12 years old, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that revolutionized my life. The Holy Spirit has given me spiritual energy to navigate through the ups and downs of life and the twists and turns of life. And we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot around Stevens Creek Church. But I'm not really convinced that we all understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We hear about His power. And we think, well, the Holy Spirit is supernatural power. So that means it's, it's a little bit stronger than my natural power. You know, let's say our natural power is here. And maybe the Holy Spirit's power is like right here. It's almost like this. That we look at, uh, we think about natural power. What I can do with my own abilities. What I can do with my own mind and my own insight. It's about 89 octane. But then... Supernatural power, God's power, the Holy Spirit power, it's like 93 octane. It's like, you know, super unleaded. And we look at it like that. I have good energy. And then if I connect with the Holy Spirit, it's like I go from 89 octane to 93 octane. Let's, let's stay on that, that train of thought. Let's say that right after this service, you're going to walk out in that parking lot. And in that parking lot, let's say there's a brand new car with your name on it. Not only, somebody says, Yes, I claim that new car right now, right now I claim it. And so that car has your name on it, but you open the door and you see a title. That means it's a paid-for car, and it has your name on it. And you're all excited about this brand-new car, and you sit in it, and you turn the key, or you hit the button, and nothing happens. It won't crank up. And you look at the dashboard, and you see that, that gas gauge, and it's over on empty. There's no gas In the car. You love this car. You're so excited about this car. You can't wait to get it home. So you get out of the car and you push it out of the church driveway. And then you turn right on Stevens Creek Road. Now, the good news is you live in Rhodes Hill. Now, the bad news is it's Rhodes Hill. Okay? That's the bad news. And, and you go down Stevens Creek Road, and then you do that fine, but then you hit the bump, and then you start to go up, and it's hard pushing a car up the hill. And so you have to push a little bit and rest, push a little bit and rest, and, and you finally get home at 11 o'clock, and you are worn out, and you fall into bed fast asleep. Well, the next morning you get up at 6 o'clock, and you work downtown. Yeah. Yeah. And you push that car down Riverwatch till you get downtown. You think, man, this car is a great idea. It has some great potential. But I need some gasoline to make it go. Folks, that's how a lot of people live the Christian life. They start off with a supernatural beginning. They embrace a supernatural power. Then they put their shoulder to the wheel and out of the flesh they are pushing their lives, saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And then every night they drop into their chairs exhausted and they say, boy, that's too much for me. God is saying to you, That you're trying to do the work of the Spirit through the arm of the flesh. There's a better way. God wants to fill your spiritual tank with gasoline. He wants to fill you up with a spiritual energy. He wants to... uh, To give you that power to do what he's called you to do. You need that. That's why Zechariah said, it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We need the spirit of God. We need the energy of God. We need that fuel that he, he provides. So how do you receive it? How do you get gassed up? How do you... Uh, receive this energy. Well, it's not rocket science. You just simply ask for it. Simply ask. I think that's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 when he said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to good give, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, you have a Father in heaven, give the Holy Spirit to those who... Ask Him. How much more does God want to pour out His blessings? But here's the problem. God cannot fill a vessel that is already full. And to be filled with the Spirit means that you have to surrender every part of your life to His control. You have to say, God, I'm giving you my life. Take control. Mold me and make me into what you would have me to be. God, lead me and guide me. And as God starts to mold and make you, it's a very painful process. Because you see, I'm full of human potential. And to surrender my human potential to God, that's a big step. Because that means that I am giving up control. And folks, I love control. I love to be in control. And I will never experience the God kind of life that he has for me until I am willing to surrender to him and say, God, I'm submitting my life to you. And we hear that word submission and we we get riled up and, and we... Get angry and anxious with that word. I'm not going to submit to anybody, but let's just pause for a minute. Do you know what submission means? Submission is defined by this. It is an invitation for someone else to lead. So when we talk about submitting to the Lord, we're saying we want you to be the Lord and the leader of our lives. We want you to guide us. We want you to go before us, uh, that work out the details even before we get there. Jesus, you are the Lord and you are the leader. You're not going to be able to experience the power of God until you're willing to submit to Him and to give your life over to Him. We need this power, we need this spiritual energy. Paul understood the importance of that. We drop down to the next verse. Paul entered the synagogue there in Ephesus and he spoke boldly for about three months. He argued with the folks persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. And they refused to believe and they publicly maligned the way. So Paul left. They just said, no, we're not going to listen to this. We don't believe this. And they just really said, you can talk to the cows come home, but we're not going to do anything about this. And so Paul goes to the next village. He goes to the lecture hall of Tyrannus and he taught there for several hours a day for two years. And they received God's word and they received God's spirit. And notice what's happened right down the road from Ephesus. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even the handkerchiefs and the aprons that had touched Paul were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. What's the point? Here's the third one. God will give you the ability to do things that you thought you could not do. God will give you, you, he's going to give you the ability to do things that you thought you could do, you couldn't do. Yeah, I'll I'll never be able to. Oh, you can do that. I could never do that. You know, have you ever had that, that conversation with yourself and talk yourself out of something that is good? Don't let that happen. Because the Holy Spirit is going to come and give you the ability so that you can do things you thought you could never do. He's going to provide you that ability. Even though you have limited strength, He's going to give you His power. Look at the lives of the disciples before Pentecost and after. Before Pentecost, you see Peter. He was timid. He was shy. But after Pentecost, he was bold. He stood up and proclaimed God's Word. When you receive God's power... You're given that ability to do things you couldn't do on your own. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Now, God performs miracles for three reasons, okay? God does miracles for three reasons. First of all, to display His power, to help His people, and to expand His influence. So God does miracles to display His power to help His people. He wants to help you. God wants to help you and to expand His influence in the community. Have you ever experienced a miracle? I think the greatest miracle that I've seen in this auditorium is the miracle of the forgiveness of sins. There's nothing better than that. To know that that a person has been guilty and has been um, on the wrong path and to receive the miracle of grace and their lives are turned around and they're headed in a new direction. It is something to celebrate. Have you received the miracle of grace? Have you ever seen God do something unexplainable in your life? I'll tell you, in the early 1980s, I was, uh, just started dating Patty, who's my wife now. Two weeks into our dating relationship, she got really, really sick. She came down with hepatitis. And she was so sick. And um, the doctors told her we were the junior at college and um, just dating two weeks. And the doctor says, you've got to go home. It's uh, contagious and everything else. And so she was sent home. she's at home, and I just, uh, God to call me to, uh, to a month of fasting and praying, and so every day between 12 and 2 o'clock, I would go to the prayer room at, at the college, and I would just call on the name of the Lord, and I would just pray uh, during these, uh, this 28-day period. It was during that season that I went to a, uh, a, a revival at a church down the street. At the end of that service, uh, the evangelist said, if any of you know of somebody who is sick and you would like to stand in and pray for them, I want you to come forward. And they, uh, so I brought Patty's name and they prayed, but they also gave me a little piece of cloth and they said, this is like a handkerchief or an apron. And they pointed back to this chapter that we're reading today, Acts chapter 19. And they anointed that piece of cloth Uh, with oil and they prayed over that I took that cloth I mailed it to Louisiana and Patty put it in her pillow and we just believed that God was going to heal her and do you know she was healed in fact she was healed of hepatitis amen and uh, so after two weeks she said I'm healed I'm ready to go back and the doctor said no way you're not going back and maybe at the end of the semester, but a week after that, she went back and convinced them that she was legitimately healed. And I, I read this passage of Scripture, and you know, you, you just remember that this is something that not only happened in Paul's life, but it happened in our lives. And we were able to embrace the words of Psalm 77. It said, God, you are the God that performs miracles. And you display your power among the people. Look, I understand when I read the Bible that miracles were not a regular occurrence in Bible times. And neither are they a regular occurrence in our times. But they do occur in desperate situations. They do occur where God will break into the natural and bring a supernatural touch. Could it be that you are in a desperate situation today because God has allowed this to happen so that He can display His power in your life? Could it be that this problem, this pain that you're suffering, is an opportunity for God's grace to be extended to you? I said, there's four things. Here's the fourth and final one, as our time's running out that God will give you a chance to make things right. Now all of us have made mistakes along the way, and the Bible clearly says that all of us have sinned, and there's nobody perfect here at the creek. Now the folks in Ephesus here, they made mistakes and they came clean with their mistakes. And they confessed their sins openly. Look at verse 17. It says, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus. In other words, God was doing this miracle right down the street from them in Tyrannius. And God was moving. They all were seized with fear. And the name of the Lord was held in high honor. And many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. In other words, they came clean. They said they admitted their mistakes. That when Paul first came to them, they put more faith in witchcraft and sorcery than in the power of God. And they had to come clean and surrender those things that control them. Let me ask you a question. What controls you? What has that control over you? You will never conquer your giant until you come face to face with him. So what is that thing? You see, God cannot heal what you don't acknowledge. And there are people here, and maybe listening to me today, That you have this hidden thing inside of you. And this hidden thing is controlling you. But you won't acknowledge it. You won't come clean. Today is the day that you come clean. That you admit it. That you admit that you need a power that is greater than yourself. You need the power of God in your life. God cannot heal what you will not acknowledge. I want you to come to the place where you acknowledge it. That's what the people at Ephesus did and in the last verse. They said, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. When they came and confessed, it released in them God's spirit, and God spread widely, and they started to grow in power. That same thing can happen to all of us today. But we've got to come to the place where we surrender to Him and say, God, it's not my will, but Your will. Let Your power flow through us. Well, it's time to pray. And as we prepare our hearts for prayer, what is it that you need God to do in your life? Could it be that there are some of you here that have never made a decision to follow Christ? And that you're here because a friend invited you? I don't believe that you're here by accident, I believe that God has ordered your footsteps for you to hear this message. And the message is simple. Is that God has a plan for your life and it's better than you think. That God has a plan for your life and it's immeasurably more than you can ask for. And you've got to come to the place where you're willing to surrender your life to Him and allow Him to do His work in you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I want to pray for you. And as God leads you, maybe you'll join in this prayer with me. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much uh, for this congregation and those that are watching online. And I pray over you today. I pray that the power of God would be evident. And I pray that you would be courageous and bold enough to open the door and to walk through it. There's some of you that are not saved, and today I encourage you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, help me. Say this. Say, Jesus, save me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. pray this. Say, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, we empty ourselves, God. and We say it so much around here, get the junk out of our lives. And we're asking that you would come today and that you would get the junk out of our lives and that you would fill us up with your presence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Two things very quickly. If you're visiting us, uh, you received a card like this. It's a Connect card. I want you to fill it out and place it in the offering buckets as they come by in a few minutes. But on the back side, this is for everybody right here, there's a card that says prayer request. We are in 21 days of prayer. This starts our second week. If you have a need, I want you to write it down. And what I promise you is that there will be people here tomorrow morning. And we'll be praying over this. We've prayed over hundreds of needs. And so um, Sarah will give you some further instructions about that. But you'll also receive this card and this card when you walk out the door. This is for seven targets. This is something, the blue one you're going to turn in, the red one you're going to keep for yourself. We're asking you just to pray God's blessing on seven people that you know. Just God bless these and keep this card uh, close by uh, over the next... uh, 14 days as we go through 21 days of prayer. And let's pray God's blessing on people around us. Thanks so much for listening. And um, I pray God's blessing on you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to com and click the Give button. See you next time.